welcome to the first real episode of a very dumb podcast called A Fire Inside Out. I'm your host, Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by one Jeff Cork. Hello. All right, Jeff Cork. Last episode, we kind of set things up, and mm-hmm. now we're getting into the meat of it. Now we're getting... And expectations are high, since you've called it a very dumb podcast. <laughs> so I always like to set the bar perfectly where it's going to land. Yeah, this is adequate. Yeah, so we're diving into the full course here. Yes. AFI's first album answer that and stay fashionable from 1995 and this is not only the first full album afi that you've listened to this is the first time you've heard afi period yes okay last time you said it was probably a ska band yes uh, eventually getting a little bit political Uh and so i want you to just kind of walk me through as i play a little bit from the first track two of a kind and walk Mm -hmm. me through your mental state okay is that does that sound very distinct recollection of this here we go where are you at now? Well, just wait. I'm like, okay. Cool bass. Very cool bass. At this point, my, I immediately thought, is this a Christian band? Because I didn't, I didn't really understand what he was saying. Yeah. And this part, especially because he's singing something about like. I'd like to save you, or is he? I'd like to see you. I couldn't tell. I was Interesting. Like, what is? Is this like a Bible camp anthem? Because yeah, you mentioned that as you were leaving uh, last time after we recorded, when you were thinking about the name of Fire Inside, and you suddenly realized, like, holy Christ! I have no idea if this is a Christian band or not. Yeah, and you said that the band took an interesting trajectory, and I was right. thinking maybe they dropped the Christian thing. Oh, right? okay, all right. So after listening to this entire first album, is AFI a Christian band? No. Okay. <laughs> Most fe- Feeling pretty confident in that. I'm pretty sure. All right. Uh, I should probably set things up a little bit for this album. First of all, I should apologize to the hardcore fans. For last episode, I said they were from the East Bay, uh, San Francisco. They're from Ukiah, which is north of San Francisco entirely. How, I, how far north? Uh, it's a ways north. Not no. not super northern California, but it's, it's in between the northern border and San Francisco. But... Uh, the reason I always thought it was East Bay, because I remember they had a t-shirt mm-hmm. and it said East Bay Hardcore on it. Mm-hmm. And it always stood out to me. So I was like, oh, well, that's East Bay. And that's where I learned what the East Bay was all about. But we should go into the actual history of this album. Okay, let's do this. Okay. AFI, at this point, mm-hmm. in the early to mid-90s, mm-hmm. they are in high school, right? Okay. There's a guy named Davey Havoc. Davey Marchand. That's not his is, real name. Davey Marchand is his real name. Okay. Uh, but he's going by Davey Havoc because he's a pretty cool guy. A drummer named Adam Carson. Mm-hmm. Guitar is Mark Blackwelder. And Vic Chalker is on the bass. Chalker? Ch- Chalker? Chalker? Ch- Chalser? Hmm. So it's that lineup. They're in high school. They have this band, heavily inspired, they say, by Angry Samoans, Black Flag, Minor Threat. Uh, they did a lot of like germs covers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool guys. Are you familiar with those bands? You're mm-hmm. a hip guy, Cork? Yeah. All right, cool guy. And so in high school, they played a bunch of songs they were convinced that nobody cared about them then they went off to college and i guess there was a huge demand for them to come back and put on a live show because even their high school yeah or or in that area you know because i guess they hadn't recorded an official album but they had some crappy recordings out there and i guess they were flying off the proverbial shelves and so they went back together after college during the first year of college Mm -hmm. put together this live show and it went over so well that they then were convinced like we should probably just stop going to college and just record an album. Yeah. And that is answer that and stay fashionable. Interesting. When I dropped out of college, it was because I thought, 
I should skip all of my classes and play Street Fighter in the student lounge. <laughs> and so, how'd that go for you? Uh, not great. Okay. Cool. I kind of blew it. No one was demanding no, any sort there, of nobody live was reunion. Demanding none of that. No. <laughs> so this album strikes me as weird listening to it because it's such a weird split between really immature songs. Right. And then there are some songs on here, and we'll get into it, where it's like, oh, this is really... They're barking up the right tree. Like, yeah. they're on the right track. And so how how old were they when this album came out? When this album came out, they were... Well, Davey Havoc, at least, was 19. So theoretically, they're all around 19. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. What would you guess? I would have guessed in their early 20s. Okay. No, yeah. it's a, They're a super young band. Yeah. Um, And I think just the weird situation of them coming back and then finally recording all of these tracks officially is kind of what led to the weird schizophrenic nature of this album where clearly some tracks they've been playing throughout high school, mm -hmm. some of the more immature ones and ones that stand out where it's like, it feels like a 14-year-old wrote this. Yeah. And then there are some more mature tracks that maybe were written later, I would imagine, and then plugged in mm -hmm. while they went off to college and whatnot. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely got that feeling that it was a super fractured album. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a mess structurally, and we'll get into it as we break down each track. Right. But Question I'll, for you. Yeah, well, please. How old were you when you got into AFI? And was this the where your starting point was? No, no. I mean, I would have been eight when this came out. Uh, so my starting point is not until, let's see, 2000? Okay. Yeah, somewhere around there. So I was 13 then. So you were 13 when you heard this album? Yeah, in theory. Yeah, yeah. I see you taking notes. Why? What are you up to over I there? I wrote down... A 13. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I may have put an extra loop on it, so it's like a super three. Oh, great, great. I'm super great. smart. Fantastic work. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, this it's an interesting one just because I got into their stuff a little bit later. I think it was right before Art of Drowning came out, which is a later album of theirs, mm -hmm. or around that time period. And so there was this crazy archive of older stuff that I knew about. But going back to some of this stuff, it just stood out so much. And it was just a fun piece of history. Yeah. Uh, So I never really... Like, when I say that I was really into AFI, mm -hmm. I like this music, but it's not like this was the music that I was really championing. So you like the stuff that is part of that big shift that you alluded to. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. We'll okay. It. It's a weird thing to talk about AFI and treat it like there's spoilers for their band's direction. Yeah. But I, I think, like it. I think I like it's the best way name. to go about it. When did you discover them? Like, how did you get into this band? I got into them from a friend like my best friend at the time his name was david werner mm -hmm. uh we called him ronnie for some reason uh actually we called him ronnie because his older brother named him that and his older brother was a cool punk rocker guy named pete mm -hmm. uh and so it was one of those things where he always had his computer was just full of afi albums and mm -hmm. he had like posters on the wall and that was just a thing is it flowed over to ronnie who wanted to be more like his big brother and then that flowed over to me because i was just an empty vessel because like I didn't know any music. I had like the Lost World soundtrack that I listened to <laughs> on repeat and uh, songs in the key of Springfield, The Simpsons, like CD. Oh, like that was it, man. So I was just ready to go for any type of music. And I was like, wow, this is this is good. Yeah. And when I'm 13, this is right up my alley. So what was the first album you bought? First AFI album I bought? Just, nope. Just gen in general. I oh, just want to yeah. get a, like a sense. I mean, not counting those two that I just listed, the first like musical album that I bought was in the same era and it was bouncing souls how i spent my summer vacation okay yeah I, I got into like afi and bouncing souls around at the same time that's much cooler than mine 
Why? What do you got? Uh, I bought the We Are the World 45. <laughs> 45! Yeah. Do you think you have it memorized? Um, at one time I did. I don't. I can't remember the lyrics now. Okay. You still haven't given me your gut reaction to this music. At well, least that first song. The first song, I was like, I think I kind of understand what they're doing here. Okay. I wasn't ready to make a judgment on kind of what I was listening to. Right. I, I still kind of hung up on the Christian thing. To okay. Be honest, All right. I was like, if this is like a bait and switch, I was thinking about Ben Hansen at 13. Maybe this is like something that is like cool pastor gave all the kids, you know, to show how cool he was. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. No, yeah. it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Yeah. So the thing with the first song here, two of a kind, mm-hmm. it's about self-loathing. Right. And also hanging out with a douchebag that you want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, themes that there's a little bit of in these first couple albums. Uh, they eventually get away from talking about douchebags that they don't want to hang out with anymore. Yeah. Believe it or not. Uh, but I mean, some things are remarkably consistent. Like they have the choral chanting in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the breakdown. All right. Cork, I'm going to blow your mind. Almost every AFI song uh-huh. has the little breakdown yep. moment where they just tear it all down. Do something different, highlight an instrument, maybe some vocals in there a little bit, and then drum solo back into chorus. Yeah. And so even in this first song, they have that structure going for them. And that's going to hold true for a very, very long time. Next song, Half Empty Bottle. Right, this is go. when it hit me. Yeah. How so? I, it reemphasized. I was like, oh, this is a hardcore band. Yeah. That's what's going on here. Yeah. This song's all about tearing stuff up. Yeah. And I like, kind of like, I guess, the sound effect at the very end of the <laughs> smashing bottle. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, this is a weird one. This is maybe one of the most aggressive songs on the album. Yeah. All about just wanting to rage and tear everything apart. Uh, yeah, they, they talk about uh, tearing us up quite a bit. Yeah. That's like their big thing. This is also the first track where I started noticing the bass player. Yeah. Surprisingly funky bass lines throughout this entire album. Yeah. And when everything else is just speeding through, he definitely stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. This song is also the biggest mess on the album. Yeah. In my mind, where it's just like, yeah, it's got the funky bass line. Nothing else really holds together. And then... You got a little pick slide there. Just throw it to a guitar solo. It's like, it's just album. And this song specifically feels like you're just throwing everything at the problem I thought about this song in particular I think they have some other songs that made me think about this but this song in particular the only appropriate music video would be animated dude Mm -hmm. on a hot rod oh (laughs) interesting not in it but on it like one of those big daddy Roth yeah yeah with big flames shooting out of the pipes it's almost as if you're playing Grim Fandango at the exact same time that you're listening to AFI no I had this like the thought like the first time I oh, listened to weird. it. Oh, weird. All right, all yeah. right. Yeah, I can see that. So as a 13-year-old. Year. Oh, yeah. How was was your mind blown when you figured out what was going on with this song, that song title? Half Empty Bottle? No, this next one. I have no idea what this means. Did you look it up? No, just say it out loud. Your friend and mine, man. Your friend and mine. Is that really what they're going for? I think that's what they're going for. I never had any idea. Yeah. All right, here is... Your friend and mine. See, you're in luck, Cork, because even if you hated this album, 
it feels so fast and everything flies by so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm lucky. You're lucky you didn't get a ballad right out of the gate. The first real love song from AFI here. Yeah. Uh, frustrated love song, but still counts as a love song. So this song did yeah. one of my favorites, like things that a song can do. What's that? It began with one, two, three, four. Oh, you like that? You're a big Springsteen I, fan. I love that. So at this point, listening to this album, you're on board. No, oh yeah, I'm no regrets so far. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, now we're getting to the first real classic from this album. Mm-hmm. Like when I think back to this album, this is the one that stands out. There's a couple songs, and this one, I like this song. I don't know if I'd ever say it's a good song. Where are you standing on I Want to Get a Mohawk? I I think this is a funny song. Uh-huh. Um, because I think about little Hanson oh. pumping his little tiny fist in the air. I may be 10 years old, but <laughs> I know what I want. All right, here we go. Okay, there's a part coming up here I want to highlight. Yeah. Coming up. There it is. All right, so he's listing all these things that he wants to do, even though he's 10. Mm-hmm. He wants to wear his Misfits t-shirt every single day. Right. He wants to pogo dance. Uh, he wants a mohawk, obviously. He wants a TV tat. Uh, he wants to wear his cramp shirt. Listen to the Misfits. Wants to stay out late. Wants to go to shows, then very specifically points out, doesn't want to pierce his nose. Yeah. Which seems to fly in the face of everything else that the song's about. And I understand. If He's it's, not into, like, permanent disfigurement. It's a weird detail for a song all about, like, I want to rebel. Yeah. I want to go nuts. I want to be the cool punk rocker kid. Well, I don't want to pierce my nose here. Well, what else rhymes with shows? <laughs> you know? Well, he could have said, I want to pierce my nose. It's the easiest yeah. thing. It was right there. He doesn't take it. I wonder if it's written about somebody in particular that used to be at these shows they used to go to. Hmm. You know, where it is, it's weird that they frame it as that they're 10 years old. Yeah. So it couldn't have been them when they were 10 10 years old when they wrote this. It has to be in retrospect, right? Right. I have a series of questions for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you answer yes or no. Sure. When you were a little Hanson. (laughs) Yep. Wanting to be a big Hanson. Did you want a skateboard? Uh, Yeah. Did you want to stay up late? Yeah, probably. Did you want to go to shows? Yeah, I said I did. I was always miserable at shows, but yeah, sure. Yeah. And what was your stance on nose piercing? Yay or nay? I was nay, Mm -hmm. but I had a massive crush on a lady that I eventually started dating who had a nose piercing, so I had to say yay. At 13, you had a crush on this lady? No, no, I guess that was later in high school. But I'm sure I had a crush on her then. That was in high school. It wasn't later in high school, unless you're kind of some kind no, of no, no. You're right. You're right. Genius. All right. You know what? Yeah. I was. I've always not been a big fan of piercings myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would respect somebody for getting one at age thirteen or ten, let alone. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been very cool. Uh, by the way, I'd recommend if you like AFI, you should go on YouTube and look up some of their old shows because okay. they actually have some of their shows from 1995 uploaded, and there's them singing. This next song, Brownie Bottom Sunday, like in a store, looks like a record store. But then there's also like a 45 minute entire live show from 1995 
which is bizarre to see. Uh, Davey Havoc comes out on stage and is trying to get the audience's read on whether or not they like his jacket or not. So same old Davey. Believe it or not, Cork, a lot of things change with this band. Davey Havoc will always really, really care about his jacket. Really? He's super, super into clothes. Yeah. He's staying fashionable. (laughs) That's right. He was staying very fashionable. Also, weird note that in those old videos, Davey wears a hat, which is something that he will never do again. Oh, he's got got beautiful hair. Oh, nice. Yeah. He likes to really show it off as much as possible. So that is not something that's going to be staying true. Oh, David Havoc. This next song. Yes. Is a doozy. This one, I think, going through the entire thing again. Yeah. I think Brownie Bottom Sunday is my favorite song on the album. I would second that. Is that true? Yeah. It really stood out to you? Yeah. And it's a shame that you get this beautiful little baby and you name it Jet Airplane or something <laughs> stupid like that. That title is just. The worst. I am completely with you. All right, let's just listen to the beginning of Brownie, Brownie Bottom, Sunday. Bottom Sunday. All right, we'll get to that. It's only a minute 47. Let's listen to the beginning here. Brownie Bottom Sunday. Yeah. That special meaning to the title? It better be deep, man, to butcher this song with that stupid title. Yeah. And what's really especially interesting about this song is that the way it starts out here. Let me just let me just jump back to the beginning one more time. Mm-hmm. This intro could be off of one of their albums six years from now. Oh. Like it holds up remarkably well and it's a little it's bit good. timeless. It's not until the guitar really kicks in. Rock and roll. Yeah. And then especially like just the way Davey sounds and whatnot back in the day. But like the way that intro sounds, that bass line, and especially the lyrics in this song, uh-huh. this is the tent pole and the guidepost for where they're going to go. And mm. it's just kind of buried. Uh, Was it the fifth track on uh, Answer That and Say Fashionable? Mm-hmm. It's a weird one. And then, yeah, to wrap that title around its neck. <laughs> it's I, not doing that song any favors. No. If, you, if I had like a gun to my head and I had to pick two tracks yeah. and then I'd just be immediately shot in the face sure I would not listen to that song that's a very unlikely scenario because I have <laughs> our, and especially because I have listened to it but that looks like a song you should avoid yes you think that it's going to literally be about Brownie Bottom Sundays <laughs> based on the rest of this album yeah like maybe it's like their favorite treat down at the IHOP uh-huh. uh huh something like that there has to be some reason why it's named that so I have another question for you yeah yeah when was the first time you saw this band live? First time I saw them live, I I can probably look up the exact date. When we get around that time frame, uh-huh. uh huh, working through the chronology, I can let you know. But it was at the Quest in Minneapolis, and it probably I can't imagine it was the Sing the Sorrow tour. It would have been before that. God, they must have toured. It might have been like the Art of Drowning tour. But I'll look it up, and I bet they have those dates listed for you. So I will totally let you know. We can dive fully into that. Okay, but anyway, at a certain point, yeah, that's not important. Sure, this was like the most powerful bass line I think on the album. 
Sure. This is crazy. Yeah. And it's just unnecessarily elaborate, which I love. <laughs> right, right. But this bass player, when you see him live. Yeah. Does he make like faces like he moves, he moves, puts his mouth like the letter O and he acts like he's surprised and he looks at his hands like, wow, I don't even know how this how is, is happening. This happening? Uh, not to spoil anything, Cork. Yeah. I've never seen this bass player live. There may be some rollover in the old AFI here. Oh. Yeah, things might be changing up at some point. Oh, but... gosh, that chorus is uh, predicting the future a bit because he says, I've got to go. If he's one of the people that does the little <laughs> chorus chant thing. Yeah, that's true. That's the... Yeah, that's how he signed off and yep, left and forever. Then, and then uh, David Havoc says, hey, you said you got to go. There's the door, jerk. Perfect. You're the only... Musically competent person in this band right now. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. The drummer is really good too. He seems to do a good. The guitarist job. does some rock and roll stuff. So. A lot, a lot of that whole stuff. All right, the Checker Demon. This next song, mm-hmm. I think this was one of the first songs I heard from them. This was like in the bundle of MP3s that was on old Pete Werner's computer, uh-huh. and so it definitely stands out to me, especially for the super cool intro. Which did you recognize? The quote. No. Here we go. It's from Vacation, the Chevy Chase movie. And it's the guy, wherever they went on vacation, and he's saying, go F yourself in that language. That was the whole idea. National Lampoon's Vacation? The the same. I still really love this song. And I don't know if it's just because it's super old in my mind that I remember it so well and like it now hearing it again. Uh Did this one stand out to you at all? It stood out to me because... It was like a a huge um, siren and red flag because it started with a sample. Oh, sure. It's a short one. Yeah. It gets significantly worse as the album goes on. Yeah, I got bad news. There's a lot of sampling There's in this a lot album. of samples. That's the meat I was like, uh-oh, there's a sample of something. Yeah. That's not great. Well, you know, sampling technology was pretty cool back in 1985, 1994 when they're putting this album together. You know, what are you going to do? They wanted to get their favorite quotes in there, and by God, they do that in this album. Jesus Christ, it's, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, this song, it's very youth angsty. It's all about what's wrong with everybody, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me. That seems to be the overall theme for this album. It's just there's yeah. so much youth packed into this thing. This it, is We're talking about that. We're talking uh, about Checker, Checker Demon. Demon yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that age, were you upset that you couldn't figure it out? Of course, does anybody ever really figure it out at any point in their life? I think you just give up at certain points, <laughs> and everyone's point is different internally you can be a mystery yeah the external world can be a mystery and you're just fine moving on exactly god i can't wait to get you didn't old answer my question um like did, how much of this at 13 yeah. resonated with you hmm was it I aspirational think, like well especially in their later stuff but even now it's not the easiest to hear the lyrics Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I'm printing out the lyrics and reading those and being like, oh, man, this this I can identify with. Mm-hmm. But just having something this fast and aggressive and, you know, I, I don't think the lyrics ever really grabbed me. There's a couple lines in their later stuff that I might like, mm-hmm. but it's not like this is poetry that I'm framing on my wall. It was with AFI. It was always more the energy. Yeah, that's how I feel music. like like when I was in high school, I listened to The Exploited. Sure. And it was about the energy and the chants and all that stuff. Because right. it's like, I don't give a rat's ass about Margaret Thatcher and her policies, you know. 
But you learned to give a rat's ass, and now you won't stop yeah, talking exactly. about it. <laughs> this next song is called Serial Wars, and it's a masterpiece. When I talk about the songs that are kind of forks in the road, and mm-hmm. they could have gone down this path or another one, I don't want to spoil anything, Cork, but they go down the serial path for the rest of their career. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Serial Wars, everybody. A minute 17 of pure gold. So right here, at this point, no joke, I was like, oh, this is the fake-out beginning. Oh, really? You knew it? Oh, yeah. Wow. How'd you ever know that a song on this album can be fast? All right, here we go. At this point, in my, yeah, in my notes, I just said, that f***ing bass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is this song really about buying cereal? Is that what's going on? He goes to the store and buys cereal? All right, here, here's where we got, Cork. Get up early in the morning, uh-huh. going to the store, post Kellogg's General Mills, it's the cereal war. F***ing store never has the monsters, and they never get more. I don't know what the monsters are. Was that like Count Chocula? And maybe, but he references that later. Or maybe not. Okay, it could be. I hope sexual chocolate is in stock. It's got a condom in the box. I, I think that's a joke. Uh, I'm trying to be funny about uh, perverse cereal. I'll try some Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> Just the lyrics that Davey Havoc wrote down. Who the f*** is Sunny anyway? Some say dinos. Dinos are the best. Do you know what that is? Yeah, Dino the Dinosaur. I don't think I know that had one. Had a cereal for a time. Okay. They've got more marshmallows than the rest. There's not a lot of cocoa in Cocoa Krispies. And always stay away from Wheaties. Now it's dinner time, and I'm going back to the store. I had some Urkels. Do you know, though? Do you know Urkels? Huh. Okay. He liked them a lot. He made a note. It is the cereal war. If I were Calvin or Hobbes, and then I could try some sugar bombs. The Soggies will never get Captain Crunch. I guess I'll have Crunch Berries for lunch. Breakfast cereals need to be sweet. That's the only kind I'll eat. Give me sugar, not nuts and twigs. Do I look like a f***ing squirrel to you? Now that you've read that, like before listening to it, I was like, oh, this is a super dumb song. Yeah. This song is the worst now that I know the <laughs> lyrics. It's like, but even at 19, you're too old for this shit. Well, this is one of those cases where, man, they must have written this when they're 14, when they're super passionate about cereal, and that's just like, well, it's a classic, our audience expects it. Do they think their audience was not growing up with them? But if it's the classic and it's the one that people like to hear live, like, I totally understand why they would put this on the album. Mm -hmm. They can't just completely revolutionize everything they've done and start with a clean slate when they record the first album. Like, you gotta get some of those historical pieces in there. And going to the store to buy cereal for the Cereal Wars, the Great Cereal Wars of 95, surely you remember. Well, it's just funny that it's a super dumb song about buying cereal. Right. And But he's got to put a, this like edge on it by just dropping a lot of F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. Well, how else are you going to do it, man? It's interesting. This is actually, people often give Davey Havoc and the rest of the band shit for kind of changing their tune mm-hmm. uh, and changing their style over the years. And he always would reference this song saying like, well, we need to constantly change because I can't sing about f***ing cereal the rest of my life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciated his candor. But at the same time, like, when some of these songs are just kind of fast and blah, I do still like a lot of this music. Yeah. But a lot of it's just kind of like fast. All right, we're kind of getting through it. All right, some chanting in the chorus. We get it moving on. This one at least is fun and weird. It's in the same vein as I Want a Mohawk. Mm-hmm. Where it's quirky enough where it's like, all right, I'm on board. 
Yeah. If I was 12, I probably really would have liked this. Oh, yeah, because there's bad words in it, and <laughs> mom would flip out if she heard. Yeah, and I often wonder, do I look like a fucking squirrel to you? <laughs> it, that, those are the lyrics that kind of speak to me, Cork. <laughs> so dumb. Why not? Could they have arranged this album better? Could they have like arranged it by maturity? If they would have like arranged these yeah. songs chronologically as they recorded them, would that make a better or worse album? Maybe Serial Wars could be after that huge gap of silence at the end. Oh, sure. Like a hidden track. <laughs> oh. And it's like if you're bored, like that bored, where you're just listening to this vast expanse of nothing, here's your treat, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a good sign of things to come, talking about hidden tracks, Cork. Yeah? Oh, man. AFI loves some hidden tracks. There's some good gems coming up. I should note, Serial Wars, at least going by the album tracks, mm -hmm. first case of a woe from the chorus in AFI history. Oh, do they go back to the woe well? I don't want to say anything about the woe well, but right. you should definitely keep your ears open for some woes from here on out in AFI's nice. history, Cork. And Serial Wars, first one where it comes out. Next song, The Mother in Me. I immediately thought, is this a cover of a NoFX song? Is that what's going on here? Oh, really? It just totally sounds like them. I can see it. There's another song later that sounds more punky to me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do it pretty soon. This one, it's kind of tough to hear the lyrics on this one. Right. His Davy's singing style is just fluctuating all over the place in this album. There's one in particular later on that really stands out, but... I think, I think he does this thing. This has always been my theory, and it's probably idiotic, but I've always thought that he's a little bit self-conscious about his lyrics, especially in his early days, mm -hmm. and so that's why he's always a little bit tough to understand. Because this is actually a deep song, or at least I'm sure they thought it was a deep song. It's all about his inner emotions, uh, caught in a world that's plagued by something they call love, a paradigm of illness is the beast I have become. Hmm. Just a weird song about apparently the mother inside of him. You could read into it. It's a lot about, could be about his sexuality, if you want to go down that rabbit hole. But that's a whole topic for another day. But it is him at least trying to be probing. And it's always with that screaming tone. It's like, how much are they trying to disguise this kind of stuff? So would you consider your sexuality as like the daddy inside of me? That's how I always that's describe super it. super weird thing yeah, to like, say the mother in me <laughs> is like his feminine side. Like, why go there? Well, I don't know if you know about orientation on dating websites. That's how I list it is there's a daddy inside of me. <laughs> so it has chanting and crazy bass, which I like. Sure. And then um, it does the, like again, like a total no FX move. It drops out, like the song does a fake out ending. Oh, right, right, right. And then it kicks back in. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. All right. When you talk about no effects, yes. this next song is really what stands out to me mm -hmm. uh, as the most punk-centric song. It really, it sounds weird compared to the rest of these, even as desperate as some of these songs are, mm -hmm. lyrically. This is Rizzo in the Box. He starts out singing, and you can actually hear his voice, which is nice. Yeah. There's some real genuine singing here. Cool guy. I love any song with a speed change, and this is one of them. Yeah. Okay, this part here. This is as bizarre as AFI can sound. Also, they like saying shit a lot in this song. Yeah. 
This totally right. reminded me of uh, the institutionalized song. Does it sound a lot like that? It's just similar in structure. Uh, it's a very upbeat song about a friend abandoning you. That's what we got for Rizzo in the Box. So when you were oh, 13, Christ, yeah. did you give a shit? Great question. Great question. I gave more of a shit than you could possibly imagine. And this album came out in 95? Yeah. Did you give a shit in 95, Corp? Uh, I, I, yeah, I gave a partial shit. <laughs> I was working a lousy retail job, but I think that's when I started dating this girl who was super awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you want to talk about her? Her name was Melissa. Okay. And she was just great. What happened with that, Cork? Uh, we dated for like five years. Five years? Yeah. How often do you stalk her on Facebook? Uh, basically like a couple times a day. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's up- what you're always doing on your computer over there. I thought that was cookie clicker. No, it, it, it's a plug-in for Facebook <laughs> to make it look like cookie clicker. I'm sorry, Melissa got away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, at 13, uh, I always think of that line from Juno where she's talking to Michael Sarah's character and she's like, God, you're so cool. And it's like, you don't even have to try. And he goes, no, I try really hard, actually. <laughs> uh, so I think it was in that vein at 13 where... It's like a practiced kind of cool. No, there's nothing cool about it. Just dorky. Uh, but then like I was starting to get into punk rock music. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to embrace that, but I was too self-conscious to really dive fully in. So it's kind of like having a super big square but then kind of wearing like a black shirt maybe i'd wear like a a cool bald steel necklace like once a month uh-huh. and then i say ah, that's douchey i'm not gonna do that anymore <laughs> when i was in high school i was really into punk and i wore combat boots and i would wear like pants that i would roll up or put like tuck them into the boots okay and like chains how, what kind of chains are we talking about here? Just an assemblage of chains. <laughs> what? Is, I don't know. I mean, like around your neck? No, around my like waist, and they'd hang down. It was like chains. A, it was like a precursor to those chain wallets. Holy cow! With the combat, so you're going. What? What is that style? What would you describe that look? Just punk? Nineties. Uh, Just cool nineties, and you fit in pretty well. Did you feel like the outcast wearing that kind of crap? No. This is like our little wore? circle. Yeah. Oh God. All right, you ready You're for the next cool. song? Um, this is this is gonna be one of your favorites. Okay. Uh, this is a song called "Kung Fu Devil," and the best part about this song is like, you boot it up, it just gets right <laughs> to the wicked bass line. Oh no, it's an extended quote from Reservoir Dogs, everybody. Oh, it just goes on forever. All right, let's sit back. What do you mean we leave? Give me it back now. For the past fifteen minutes now, you've been droning on about names. Told you. Toby, Toby, Toby Wong, Toby Wong, Toby Wong, Toby Chung, fucking Charlie Chan. Good stuff. I've got Madonna's big dick coming out of my left. Give my 1995 Reservoir Dogs was really cool. Coming out of my right. All right. Nothing else about this song really stands out to me. No, I just the feeling of oh shit, not another clip. <laughs> I can't. I, I cannot stand like skits, right? Or like, qu- like samples. What about from like movies? Tenacious D? Like those kinds of skits? You're not. You're not on board for. Oh no! Like the 
cock push-ups or whatever. Right, right, right. I cannot stand it. Oh, it's man. like interesting the first time you hear it. Yeah, and then it's just incredibly It just annoying. ruins it. Like uh, De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising has a lot of skits. And right. again, it's like, oh, this is funny. But then after a while, you're like, oh, God. I gotta they don't appreciate. It's like they undersell how many times people are going to listen to this stuff yeah. again and again. It's like, I'm fine memorizing this music. Yeah. But having to hear that clip and just getting that drilled into my skull, like you don't understand the kind of damage you're doing to me having to listen to that crap. Yeah. At least De La Soul is kind enough to make it a separate track. So okay. So you could skip ahead. Okay. They were very kind. And I think, like, Ice Cube always had a lot of skits. I think he had those as separate tracks also. Okay. Because it's just the worst. It's pretty bad. It Like, this album, I it tempted me to just burn it onto a CD like a, an alternate version uh-huh. where I went in and cut the samples. Okay. <laughs> it made me irrationally angry. Samples and all of Serial Wars. Yeah. And then it would be your dream CD. I'm sorry I made you so mad. The actual song, Kung Fu Devil, uh-huh. uh, kind of general lyrics about uh, being a monster, mm-hmm. just not trusting yourself. I'm worn down from fighting myself. I'll save my life and lose my mental health. That mm. kind of stuff. I like like the fact that they do some harmonizing sure. on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like harmonies. Okay. And I like the chant, but I like harmonies too. <laughs> but harmonies So are is there right any too. reason that they put that Reservoir Dogs clip in there other than the fact that they really like that movie? No. Because it doesn't seem like there's any thematic element to it. No. The only thing I can figure is the connection of the album cover looks Reservoir Dart Dogsy as well. Like, they're all wearing, like, the suits and standing right. there. Yeah. Like, is that even the poster for Reservoir Dogs? I believe so. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So there's that little connection. And also, it was just cool. I'm sure they identified with uh, that kind of cool movie back in the day. Or maybe the title, because he says, f***ing Charlie Chan. Right. And, but he, and he's a Kung Fu Devil. Yeah. Never mind the fact that the song has nothing to do with Kung nothing. Fu Devils. No, no, no. Don't, don't pay much mind to it. All right, moving on, we have Your Name Here. I like this song. There's another good one off this album. Funky bass line at the start, believe it or not, Cork. Yeah, yeah, this song. Pretty good. This is another early one that I listen to again and again, for sure. Like this and Checker Demon. I like that, too. When you see it, let's go. Yeah, kicking things in, man. Uh, just not... Yeah, he went beyond the one, two, three, four. He really did it. Yeah, this this song's really cool. Uh, yeah, this hits a lot of things that I love. Oh, really? Yeah. Funky bass line. Funky bass line. Kicking things in. Kicking things in. And uh, it does vocals, like at this one section, through a megaphone. Okay. Which, that's another thing that I love. <laughs> Weird taste. It's just, it sounds cool. I've always liked that since, like... When I was a lot younger and was into like Pink Floyd's The Wall, there's yeah. that song Waiting for the Worms. Right, right, right. When he uses the megaphone. Yeah, it just yeah, always yeah. sounds so sinister and powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can definitely see that. This song generally, uh, it's not a theme about not taking any more shit. Yeah. I'm going to tear this stuff up. You don't even understand me, man. That Break, type of stuff. Breaking all the bottles. Oh, man, so many. All right. This next song, NyQuil. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stand out as much as the other songs like Serial Wars and Wanda Mohawk as being really old, but this has to be one of the earliest songs that they wrote. Mm-hmm. I think musically, 
It doesn't sound that old, but lyrically, it is abysmal. Here we go. This is NyQuil. All right. Kind of fun swingy. All right. There we go. That sums it up, everybody. I want to stay in bed. Sleep, I want to stay in bed. It's just a dumb, fast song all about how much he wants to stay in bed. Unlike a certain 10-year-old that we know in the AFI-verse. Who's just petrified of getting his nose pierced. And he wants to he wants to go to shows, which are presumably... And that kind of gets in the schizophrenic theme of this album, Cork. It's like, do they want to go to the show? Yeah. Do they want to pierce their nose? Well, is it do like they want to stay in is bed? Is it like a daytime all-ages show? Because he is 10. Great question. Great question. Unless he and his brother stand on the shoulders and do the old raincoat trick. So NyQuil, yeah, man, it's... Some of the most immature lyrics on this entire album. Yeah. I would argue writing about wanting to stay in bed is more mature than Serial Wars. Serial Wars at least takes an ounce of creativity to come up with some elaborate idea about these different serials competing for your attention, I guess, is what Serial Wars would be about. Uh, But this one, it just, it feels like it could have been written by the main character in Where the Wild Things Are. (laughs) It's just, it is that stupid and simple. Like, it ain't it, great. Even that moron could have written that crap. Yeah. Okay. This next song, Don't Make Me Ill. Yes. This must also be your favorite. If you thought the Reservoir clip was long. Another terrible clip. Oh, there we go. The grand epic? It yeah. really is. Not your f***ing head in. There's no need to get violent, is there? I'm trying not to swear so much, please. For you can always put in a so apparently this is from Bad News Tour. Have you seen it? No. Is it like a mockumentary? It must be, yeah. That's where the song title came from. It's weird. Do you like them burying the name of the album so late in the album? So it's like a little bit of an Easter egg. Like, oh, that's why it's called that. I think that it's better to have just a cool name for an album that doesn't tie into the song. You don't have to rip it off from some Spinal Tap wannabe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. All right, here we go. All right. It's it's maybe the prettiest song on Answer That and Stay Fashionable. Mm -hmm. So this was... The song that you'd put on the mixtape for your 13-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> That's right? right, with the nose piercing, yeah. Yeah, this is the this is what you do. Even though it's mostly about defying authority and how you're, they're really going to go places well, and no one gives them credit. 13-year-old girls like edgy guys like you. Yeah, that's true. So is that how you uh, got the ladies in middle school and high school? Is just by being edgy like that? Oh, yeah. They're really into it. Did that work out? Uh, yeah, I, I ruined high school by dating a girl for like two years like ruined yeah so if you're a young person yeah you should not date people like full-time you should date a lot of people that's how what did what age does this advice go up to this age goes up to 18 Okay, so, so up until the age of 18, but you need to have that first romance 
experience. Yeah. And it's not a thing of like, oh, we can't really go steady. We can't be exclusive just because some old guy in a podcast told me not to. Like, I understand your angle. Like, don't get entrenched. Yeah. That is clearly a mistake everybody in high school and some people well beyond high school mm-hmm. make. But, I mean, it's good to have like a good six-month run. Well, here's the deal. Yeah. If you're dating someone in high school, there are only two outcomes. Right. You continue to date and then you marry when you're really young, which is the dumbest possible thing you could ever do. Or a drunk driving accident. A drunk driving accident. Yeah. Uh, So you've added a third option, actually. (laughs) Or the other thing is like someone goes to college and that's the end of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, did you go to, like, your 10-year high school reunion and stuff? No. Okay. So, are you just going off of, do you have a lot of references in your life for the people that got married super young to their high school sweethearts? A couple, yeah. Okay. How would you rate their happiness overall? Uh, moderately happy. Okay. That seems well, like, seems but that's like... everybody is moderately happy, so why banish one side of it? I just find it incredible that someone just happened to have met someone that they should want to spend the rest of their life with. In high school. Yeah, that's true. It, it is. Because you basically have lost your entire, like, all of your 20s, which are lost. the best times. I don't know about lost. I mean, at that point, they're having kids. They're doing stuff. It's just at a different timeline, you know? You have blown it. <laughs> if you get married when you're 18 but or 19. doesn't a part of you look up to those people, this is the camp I'm in, for cementing things in and theoretically not being miserable not that they're simple minded but just that they can be so focused and they can be so into it that there's just not any doubt in their mind uh-huh. that they've made the right choice at that young age i don't think the fact that you've committed to it matters like i can put mean? my wiener in a like a vat of quick dry cement and it's gonna be what? the block is gonna be con- like stuck to me for the rest of my life you are you gonna congratulate me because it's like no but if you were like i don't even know i don't even want to know what it's like to not have my wiener in this block of cement. <laughs> I am totally happy with this block of cement. To be that committed, that young, and theoretically never have extreme doubts about it, I think that's just a different type of person. And part of me looks up to that type of, type of person for not spending the rest of their life constantly uh-huh. wondering, like, oh, God, what are the odds that my soulmate went to the same high school as me? Those people are huge dummies. <laughs> okay. You're saying that it's- if Melissa was in your high school... Uh huh. You would not have put your wiener in the block of cement. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. Her nickname was that block of cement. <laughs> oh God! Oh, there's a great connection. What is what's what's AFI all about, Cork? They're about fighting the system. We okay. don't need it. Um, all right. I, I want to get some aggression out. Sure. I want to sing about something, but most of the time you can't understand it. <laughs> Okay. A bit of a mumble mouth, which I can identify with. Oh, that's yeah. what I do. There we go. Yeah. So you're not connecting to the lyrics, but no. you're connecting to the way that the lyrics are communicated to you. Yeah. And also, he, I think he puts on like a little bit of a like British sounding affectation Ooh. with his voice occasionally, which is totally common with the style of music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's really their inspiration for yeah. a lot of the stuff, it's like that's just how you sound cool. Yeah. I totally get that. All right. This next song is Open Your Eyes, which is interesting on, for a couple points, namely because there's an album coming up called Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes. 
Oh. So this is a weird precursor to that entire album's name, which I don't know if they've ever really acknowledged, but all right. It also starts out in a typical aggressive way for Answer That and Stay Fashionable. Yeah, my note for this that f***ing bass player. (laughs) (laughs) He's awesome. He's doing an all right job. I think he should have stayed with the band. We should look him up. He shouldn't have mouthed off. Let's call him up, man. Of course. Of course. There we go. This song. Okay. How he's screaming there? Yeah. Hang on. Let's listen to it again. That is a bizarre note because he doesn't really scream like that for years and years. Uh, But eventually he does get back to that style. Hmm. This isn't really a spoiler, but his screaming style changes quite a bit. And that type of slightly deeper, raspier screaming Mm -hmm. is something that he totally does later on. Uh, So it's weird that in this song, he's kind of like experimenting with it. Yeah. I might be reading way too much into it, but that's what's out to me. Also, the other part of the song that really stands out is twice in the song. It's not a mistake because they repeat it, but there's just this weird hiccup. Mm -hmm. Did you notice this? It's at 35 seconds for the first one, and I'll show you when it's coming up here. <laughs> just like, oh, 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 oh. It's like, I don't know if they just messed up the first time and then kind of like got used to it and just roped it in because they then yeah. bring that back at the end of the song too where it's just everything gets slightly out of rhythm and it's like, oh, 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 oh. the bass player is driving the train and he's just like, follow my lead, gents. I'm going to go to some weird places on this song. <laughs> and no one can follow because no one knows what he's thinking. Um, so did you, little Hanson. Yeah, wanting to be a big Hanson. <laughs> did you love this song? Because it says and fuck. I'm sure I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't that. I mean, at 13, it's not like, oh, this music says shit and fuck. I'm going to play this for my grandparents and make their eyes bleed. Yeah. Like, it's not. I was not that aggressive where I got off on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the correct answer? That's, that's, you did it. All right. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. They're ending this album on track 15. Mm-hmm. The next one. The next one. They end it on a note that is very much in line with NyQuil, with Serial Wars, with I Want a Mohawk. Uh, and this is a song called High School Football Hero. Mm-hmm. Cork, what do you think of this song? I think it's a biting commentary on athletics. <laughs> and that's why you asked how old David Havoc was. Ah, there we go. All right, hang on. I like this part. That's why, yeah. I'm done with this brunette. Someone pass me another blonde is the next next line. Coach tells me to drink my milk and wash it down with roids. Clearly, this is just leftover hatred of all jocks in their high school. Yeah, and you, like, how old was he? I mean, when he wrote this, yeah, he must have been in high school. But, I mean, recording this album, yeah, he was 18, 19. Okay, the, I, my initial thoughts, I thought he was, like, in his early 20s. It's like, just let it go. <laughs> God. Well. It's such a, this is a stupid song because. Yeah. Who, who cares about, let's like, just railing on the popular kids. Oh, here we go, Cork. Let me read the lyrics here. Let's really absorb all these. 
I want to be a high school football hero with an SAT score less than zero. Mm -hmm. I want to try to drink my weight in bureau. I want to be a high school football hero. This is as stereotypical as being like, ah, these these nerds with their pocket protectors don't know how to talk to girls. Yeah. It's just the complete opposite side of that. I want to score a touchdown so I can score after the game. I don't care about my future because it's just another day. I'll rush for 40 yards and drink 440s later on. I'm done with this brunette. Someone pass me another blonde. I've got to get my rest so I can party with the boys. My brain is upside down, so I'm just a little slow. I'll change my name to Bubba so that everyone will know I want to be a high school football hero. The amount of hypocrisy in that I'll change my name to Bubba. Right. The fact that he na- like renamed himself <laughs> Havoc. <laughs> to be Davey Havoc. It's the like same f***ing thing. <laughs> Jeez. So that's it. That's all of Answer That and Stay Fashionable. Or is it? Did you listen to the bonus tracks or the ones that came with the vinyl? Yeah. Okay, there are two more songs in the vinyl version of it, and it's Self Pity and Key Lime Pie. Self Pity, I really don't have too many thoughts on. Uh, it's just kind of fast, but pretty forgettable. Uh, lyrics, again, are all about uh, being alone. It is kind of funny that the chorus is wine. Oh, boy. I just whine, whine, whine all the f***ing time. Uh, I like that. I like that he's at least self-aware enough, in theory, to be addressing the idea that, yeah, he's a bit of a complainer. Yeah. Talking about these jocks, those f***ing nut cereals. Uh, <laughs> the real villains Mom. of high school. Oh, Christ. Jeez, Especially dude. the one inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now we're getting to the real that masterpiece. That song, by the way. Oh, yeah. I My favorite part about it is the title. Self-pity? No, the, no, the next song. I'm sorry. Oh, all right, the next song is Key Lime Pie. I, I love Key Lime Pie. Do you like this song? I can take it or leave it. Okay. <laughs> all right, we're listening to all of Key Lime Pie because this is, this is one of those songs that when I really got into AFI and then went back through their past history, found Key Lime Pie. I also f***ing love Key Lime Pie. And so I had to love this song. Airport's coming up. You are mean. Also, the recording quality for this song is just garbage. They spared no expense. Yeah, I think they actually recorded it on a key lime pie. Yeah, his voice sounds terrible on that. Yeah, you gotta wonder how much of it was their recording equipment and whatnot, but flaky crust is what I lust. Your fresh lime scent is a must. It's not bad. Not bad for a little song at the end. I would rather that they close the album out on Key Lime Pie than High School Football Hero. And more accurately, please, the crust on a Key Lime Pie isn't flaky. It's typically graham cracker. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe in Ukiah they make it in a slightly different way. You mean in the East Bay area? Yeah, in the hardcore East Bay Key Lime <laughs> Pie area. Maybe they completely concoct them in a different way. Interesting. I loved Key Lime Pie so much mm-hmm. in high school that I once asked my mom if she could make me a combination of a key lime and pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. And she made it. And she like gave me a double decker. Like they were like stacked on top of each nice. other. It did not taste good. You should not mix those two incredible pies together. <laughs> I'm just it, visualizing this. It looks gross. It tastes gross. 
Why would you even think that would taste good? Because it's two good things, you know? It's like you want to be experimental. There's a little bit like, hey, this will be funny. I'll tell my mom to do this. Yeah. Screamed it at her from the basement while I was playing Age of Empires 1. But that's like, I like salmon and I like chocolate chip cookies. I know those are not going to go well together. All right. At age 13, do you know that those aren't going to go well together? Yes. All right. I was a sentient human being at that moment. It's a little bit like in college. Mm Mm-hmm. For money, I took a handful of Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. And then I also took a super hot hot sauce and just coated the handful of Sour Patch Kids in it and just yeah. shoved it all in my mouth. What and happened? I developed a real taste for it. And that's why I keep those two combinations yeah. uh, underneath my desk and I have them for lunch every day. And your plumbing is broken basically now, right? Oh, I have the worst digestive system <laughs> and it's constantly a disaster. That's probably what happened. You just stripped it all out. <laughs> Anybody that combines those two, the stomach just packs up. I'm out of here. <laughs> Slam door. So to be like to be clear, yeah, there are songs on this that I just absolutely loathe. I think just all right, they're terrible. Well, let's run through them. I mean, which ones in particular are you talking about? Uh, Serial Wars. Okay. I think that's yeah, you don't at least enjoy the quirky nature of it. No. Okay. All right. No, I think it's. Just... So you like them when they're trying to be serious, even if they're taking themselves a little bit too seriously right out of the gate here. Yeah. Okay. And I hate the skits. Right, hate the hate the samples. Just yeah. cannot handle those. Sure. Okay, Serial Wars is the worst song in the album for you. Yes, I think I'm going to go with Nyquil for my yeah, least Nyquil favorite song. Is, is definitely a a solid second place. All right, but I feel like you're going something with your overall assessment there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I I think that the good fun songs outweigh like my negativity. So overall, I think this is a good album. What would you score at a scale of one to ten? Oh, I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this either. Yeah, let's let's see here. Can we use decimal place? No, we're going full numbers. Okay, I'm going to be conservative. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this a seven. Cork. Yeah, I am going to be fair. Uh huh. I'm also going to give it a seven. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that you like this as much as you did. Yeah. Especially I, Brownie Bottom Sunday. I'm really glad that that stands out to you. Yeah, it's really fun to, like, I don't listen to hardcore stuff anymore. Oh, yeah. Or so much. And then, yeah, it's just fun to hear some that I have not heard. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad I'm glad this speaks to you a little bit. That, yeah. I mean, the youthful angstiness of this entire album can still get through to your old calloused face. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, you this, should say weathered. <laughs> weathered, that's right. I mean, this entire album, the theme is, I wrote it down because I was really analyzing all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's, fuck you, but I'm fucked up too. Yeah. I'm going somewhere. Like, yeah. it's those three notes that this album is trying to get across. Take this mom and dad, football player, <laughs> lame girl. Key lime pie. <laughs> and Wheaties. <laughs> and Wheaties. <laughs> I'm real not villain, a squirrel. <laughs> All right, so next album, it's called Very Proud of Ya. Yeah, like Y-A. Like Y-A. Ooh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Oh, wait. I think Very Proud of Ya. I think this was the first AFI album I bought then. I remember going to the store and buying this one. I think it might have been with my friend Ronnie. Oh, I love Ronnie. Uh, by the way, at some point, with your permission, yes, I want to bring Ronnie and his older brother, who I'm slightly intimidated by, Pete, in here, and we can just talk about all this crap. Oh, yeah. But I don't want them to kind of They'll spoil spoils. the AFI yeah. twist. And so we're going to do it after like a Turning Point album. 
I think. Okay. So after we do Sing the Sorrow mm-hmm. is the name of the album. After we do that one, it's like yeah. 2003, uh, then we're going to bring those guys in and just have a we'll little discussion. lay out the ground rules. That, <laughs> that you can't spoil it even a- further. Yeah, it ends at that album. Okay, yeah. They can't refer to other stuff. Otherwise, we'll be furious. I will cut their microphone. Oh, absolutely. Which means they can't talk, right? Is that I how think that that's works? how that works. All right, so after listening to this first album, looking forward to doing this podcast the same? Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you like it. Yeah. And so you're rooting for what in the future? More hardcore stuff? Rooting for some more hardcore stuff. Okay. If there were like four albums that were just like of the speed and quality, you'd be okay with it. You can live with it. There's enough to analyze and whatnot. If the lyrics got better. <laughs> okay. What 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 would you, what do you want them to double down on lyrics wise? Um feelings. <laughs> Not just mom hates me and Songs about cereal. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's totally fair. All right. Next album. Very proud of you. I'm curious to see how much this changes their tone. I I kind of lumped these two first albums together. Okay. It's not going to have the super kitty stuff in it. Cool. So I'm looking forward to diving into that one. When, I know, and there's a couple really good songs on that What one. year did that album come out? Great question. I'm going to go with somewhere around 96, 97. Okay, so they they had a couple years to write yeah. new material. Yeah, let's see. I bet it was 96. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see how far AFI advances for uh, next week's podcast. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. All right, Cork. Well, thank you for helping me turn AFI inside out. And what age were you when this album came out? Great question. I'm going to go with nine. Okay, when did you buy it? How old are you? I mean, this is the thing, Cork. You see, your math is off because it's the tidal wave of AFI when I was like 13. So okay. all of this older of stuff okay. is still crashing down on me. And it's okay. not until we're going into the future after like the 2000 era. So I'll still continue to ask questions about 13-year-old Hanson. Yeah, maybe we'll bring in some uh, cute pics of that time. Really? To give you a better idea. I got some cool videos of me skateboarding. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, me really trying to do a kickflip on camera, and then I end up uh, nailing myself right in the nards. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good content. That's the best. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Tune in next week to listen to us dissect. Very proud of you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.